Hebrews chapter 9. So if you're already in Hebrews, just go back a few pages. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today. Let every ear be anointed to hear. Let every heart be receptive. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews 9, verse 11. But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. As we speak this morning, Jesus is seated, the Bible says, at the right hand of the throne of God. And the good news about that, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, and he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And you know what, what that means? We're seated with him, as the scripture says, at the end of chapter 1, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. So that means that the devil's under your foot. He's under my feet. Now my victory is complete. Jesus spoiled principalities, made a show of them openly. He's under my feet. Sorry, I think of everything in songs. <clears throat> but I'm not going to apologize for it. But Jesus the Bible says, is in the, the throne of God where he ever lives now to make intercession for us. So I want you to understand today as we're speaking here, as we're on the earth, Jesus is not inactive. He doesn't just, he's not just sitting like he's waiting for a doctor's appointment in a chair. He's seated at the right hand of God, but the Bible says he is very busy in his ministry today. Jesus has a ministry today. Did you know that? He has a ministry in heaven. He also has a ministry in earth. That's why he needs you and I go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. <clears throat> That's the, what we call the, the great commission. And so that's what's on the earth today. But Jesus, how many know he's not here on the earth? You know, even though sometimes he makes uh, rare appearances at different places. Many years ago, uh, he showed up in Tulsa at a camp meeting. And um, someone said, yeah, um, his girlfriend said, yeah, that's, his, that's Jesus Christ. So, you know, sometimes you have some kooky people that say, you know, they're Jesus and stuff. But Jesus is not here. I don't know if people like that or not, but. Jesus is not here right now in the flesh. He is by his spirit. But he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. <clears throat> and so right now the ministry of Jesus is carried out through the body of Christ, which is the church. But Jesus right now, seated at the right hand of the throne of God, has entered into a different phase of ministry. So I want to share this morning about something 
Maybe you've not heard much teaching about, not because it's something special, but it's just something that a lot of times we don't hear much teaching about, and it's this, the present-day ministry of Jesus Christ. The present-day ministry of Jesus Christ. And so, as, as the Lord would lead us, we might just take a couple weeks on this, but I want to share about what is Jesus doing right now? You know, a lot of times people think there's just like inactivity going on in heaven. You know, maybe a few people playing on a harp, on a cloud, you know, and they, they can't wait till they can just do that so they can retire. Well, <laughs> the Bible said this is where all the action happens. When we get to heaven, we're going to be resting from our labors, but that doesn't mean that there'll be inactivity. Can you say Amen. We're going to be busy in the work of the Lord. And so the high priestly ministry of Jesus Christ, let me start, actually I'm getting ahead of myself, but talking about the present day ministry of Jesus Christ, we're going to hit four different areas. But number one, we'll start with this morning, Jesus Christ, our high priest. Jesus Christ, our high priest. So the high priestly ministry of Jesus at the right hand of the Father is one of the rarest features of the revelation given to the Apostle Paul. Now, you know, many people speculate about the book of Hebrews, which is where we're going to be this morning. And, you know, some people um, doubt whether Paul wrote it, but, I mean, it, it definitely shows the language of Paul. And, you know, I heard a man of God say this. He said he, was, he um, had a visitation of the Lord. And it came up and he said, Lord, who, um, who wrote the book of Hebrews? He said that Jesus told him that Paul did. He said, that settled it for me. So, uh, you know, whatever people want to believe, but I believe that Paul wrote it. And some, Bi some Bibles actually say the epistle, but that's neither here nor there. But the book of Hebrews is a revelation of what Jesus did from the time that he died till the time that he went and paid the price with his own blood in the heavenly holy of holies. You'll see this all throughout the book of Hebrews. Talking about Jesus presenting his blood. Talking about Jesus giving his life. So that's what the, the whole book of Hebrews is about. So this revelation that Paul had it's like a jigsaw puzzle that just fits perfectly in there with the rest of the Pauline revelation that Jesus appeared to him. How I many remember that Jesus appeared to Paul? He was, it said for three days and nights, he was without sight. He did not eat or drink. See, we don't even know what all happened during that time. But obviously, he had major revelation. In fact, so much revelation, the Bible says that he had never had spoken to any of the other apostles save James, the Lord's brother, for like 17 years. And, and, you know, he even called himself the least of all the apostles. So, you know, he wasn't actually in the same category as the others because he didn't see Jesus, you know, in his earthly ministry, but he had major visitations from the Lord. And so... Four phases of this revelation, let me just give you as a kind of an introduction. 
the revelation that what we call the Pauline revelation, what does that mean? The revelation God gave to Paul. What we have, how many know that he wrote two thirds of the New Testament? I mean, not too shabby, right? So number one, what God did through Christ in his great substitution. And that's what most people know. What, what God did for us through the substitutionary work that Jesus did. Another element, number two, is this. What the Holy Spirit, through the Word, does in the new birth and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So number two, what, what the Holy Spirit does. That's part of the revelation. What He does, because you have to realize this, the Holy Spirit is the one that regenerates us. You be born of the Word and of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the one that regenerates us. You know, actually, the Bible talks about three different baptisms. A lot of times we just think of maybe one or two, but number one, there's the baptism into the body of Christ. That word baptized means to immerse. God, through the Holy Spirit, He immerses us into the body of Christ. How did you get born again? God immersed me in the body. How did you get in the church? God dunked me right in the, in the church. So then we have water baptism, which is immersion in water. Then we have the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which we are being baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. That's, that's when you are, you're just, you're dunked. And a lot of people need to be redunked. Amen. You know, there's one initial filling of the Holy Spirit, but there are many refillings. And people need to be refilled constantly. Well, you know, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, spoke with tongues 10 years ago, and I got filled. But you leaked out the next month. So you need to be refilled. Amen. I need to be refilled daily. So number three, part of this revelation is what Jesus is doing for us now. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. What Jesus is doing for us now in his present day ministry at the right hand of God. Aren't you glad that he's praying for you? Aren't you glad he stood in the gap? Aren't you glad that he's not just, well, you know, I, I gave you everything on the earth and just do the best you can. No, no. <laughs> we have help from heaven and we have help on the earth. In fact, he said, it's, it's better for you if I go away. Because if I don't, the Holy Spirit will not come unto you. But if I go, I will send him unto you. And Jesus even said, he says, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of this age. He's always with us. And he equips us. So what Jesus is doing for us in his present day ministry. Then number four, another part of the revelation of Paul is this. What his word and his love does through us in our ministering to other people. How many know that God wants to touch other people through your life? Amen. If you don't, then I'll tell you today. God wants to use you to touch a hurting world. God wants to use you as the feet of Jesus, as the hands of Jesus. Amen. You know, the Bible says this. It talks many times about the hand of the Lord. Well, what is that? Does God just reach a hand way down from heaven? You see this big hand reach down? No, men, some translations say this, men are the hands of the Lord. So I become the hand of the Lord. You become the hand of the Lord in, a, in 
carrying out the ministry of Jesus. <clears throat> so, as a whole, as, as the body of Christ, we spend a great deal of time studying what Christ has done for us. And rightly so, we should know that. Most sermons are along that line. Jesus died for you. Jesus was buried, you know, we should know that. We should emphasize that. However, very little has been spent studying what he does in us. And even less time has been spent studying what he is doing for us now in his high priestly office at the right hand of the Father. Look over in John chapter 20. This is when Jesus had been raised from the dead. And we understand that Look at verse 11. John 20, 11, verse 11 says, But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and seeth two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Skip down to verse 15. Jesus saying unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if you have borne him, hence tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend to my father and your father and to my God and your God. So notice, I want you to notice what Jesus tells her. She realizes by revelation, Jesus. She says, Master. He says, touch me not. But just a little while later, even that afternoon, he appears to his disciples and says, touch me. Well, what's the difference here? Because Jesus had not yet ascended to the Father. He had not yet presented his blood in the Holy of Holies as an eternal offering and sacrifice for our sins. See, Jesus died as a lamb, but he arose as the lion of the tribe of Judah, the high priest. Amen. And he, the Bible says he's a merciful high priest. Not just in things pertaining to men, but also in things pertaining to God. So if you still got your uh, place in Hebrews, um, Hebrews chapter 2. And we're going to be looking just a few verses in Hebrews. So keep that. Maybe this is where your pages might stick together, but we'll get them unruffled today. Hebrews 2 verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise, talking about Jesus, to the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. See, that's why the Bible says he took the keys away, the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a 
merciful and faithful high priest. See, that's why he can be, because he understands frail human nature. He understands what it's like to live in a body like you and I. Jesus didn't live in a body different from ours. He lived in a body just like ours. That's why it says he, can be, he was a merciful, faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them or succor them that are tempted. What does that mean? He's able to keep you from falling. That's what the book of Jude says. Verse 24, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless. Why? Because a lot of modern preaching says, you know, we're sinners. <clears throat> well, I'm going to just tell you right now, I'm not. Well, we're just sinners saved by grace. Well, you were a sinner, now you're saved by grace. But you're not still a sinner. See, get that old mentality out. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he's still the old man he used to be. No, it says he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. That means everything that was in my spirit, that old nature is gone. That old lying nature, the, the old sinful nature is gone. Now we still have the flesh. That's why the Bible says crucify the flesh. Mortify, kill, put to death, subdue it. You can't trust your flesh any further than you can throw it. Your flesh, not your neighbor's, but yours. <laughs> so he says here, look in, um, turn back to Hebrews 2, where that's where we were. It's all good. <laughs> so he's able to keep us from falling. Say this. He's able to keep me from falling. <clears throat> See, the claims of justice had to be satisfied. So Christ is our high priest made propitiation. Now that's a good old English word, which means uh, appeasement. Payment. He made the payment for the sins of the people. So, and you know, I don't know how he did this. That's what makes the gospel supernatural. But Jesus gathered up his blood. Carried it into the heavenly holy of holies. And sealed the document of our redemption with it. That's why we make much of the blood. I believe that was Billy Brim years ago. She said, make much of the blood that the Lord had given to her. Make much of the blood and the blood will make much of you. <clears throat> Not to make you a superstar, but when, when you magnify the blood, that's what protects you. I heard years ago in a church in Miami, there was a minister that came and held a series of meetings and he talked about the blood. The blood of Jesus. And out of that, there was a testimony. There was this woman, she was a lady in the church. She was a school teacher. And so, just like you heard a lot of the old timers in Pentecost, she would plead the blood. She would say, I plead the blood over this. What's that she's saying? 
I exact the blood. I, I put the blood around me. We see that like in the, with the, the children of Israel leaving out of Egypt, we see that they got the blood over them and the lamb in them, which is a type of communion. And so this lady did that. There happened to be someone who ran a vehicle 40 or 50 miles an hour right towards her classroom, hits the, the, um, the building and just pops back like a balloon. That's the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. You couldn't tell her different. Amen. But, you know, the, the blood, you know, a lot of people in the world think, oh, that's just, that's just gore and that's just. Meanwhile, and, and, you know, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but it seems like this year, especially even two years out of COVID, I saw more Halloween decorations this year than ever. It's like, man, people felt like they came out of the, the cage or something and they got all their, and, and like things I've never even seen before, like 12 and 14 foot, you know, things that people have up in their yard. And so, you know, if people want to do that, then that's fine. I'm a Christian, I don't do those things. Amen. My boys never have celebrated Halloween. Now, when I was growing up, it was a different story. But we didn't know different, you know. And, you know, it wasn't like thinking in our mind we were worshiping the devil. But, I mean, that was just something that we did. But when you know differently, then you do differently. Amen. You know, I don't, I don't get in those things and I don't condemn people if they do it. Same thing with Christmas trees. You know, people, you know, and I can see and, you know, I, I can give you some good teaching on that from another minister, but, you know, there's, well, because I don't, I don't think about those things. I don't spend my time Christmas tree or no Christmas tree. You know, people get, just get on, just, just realize when you see the Christmas tree, think of Jesus giving his life. Amen. And enjoy the festive music as well. <laughs> so Jesus carried his blood what the devil tries to make gory is our redemption. Amen. So what I'm saying is people will have all kinds of Halloween things with blood and everything on it. But then the blood of Jesus is like, oh, that's just so, so bad. No, that is our redemption. So that's why we make much of the blood. Why? Because that is our redemption. Skip over to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 11, where we just were. But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and cows, but by his own blood. Everyone say, by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Now I want you to understand the, the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. As our pastor says, a lot of people nowadays they have the, they try to mix the old covenant and a little bit of the new covenant and then they make their own covenant. <laughs> Amen. But we live in a better covenant, the Bible says. Hebrews 8 verse 6. Established upon better promises. 
So what I want you to understand is in the old covenant, sins were covered. Who's ever heard the word atonement? You know, sometimes we even use that word. I even did an article on it one time in a newspaper about is healing under the atonement. But I want you to excuse me. What I want you to understand is this: atonement is actually a word that's a new, an Old Testament word, not a New Testament word. It means covering. Covering. So what did they have? Did they have remission of sins? No, they had covering for sin. So what did that mean? You know, it's like this. You know, you have this, and you just. You cover something. Now, is that chair still under there? So that, what does that do? It just covers it. So what happened when the, the high priest, it said once a year, for his sins and for the sins of the people, he would perform his duties. What happened? It covered the sins for a whole year. But it did nothing to the nature of the individual. In, in fact, Hebrews says it didn't make the, the, the comers until the, you know, the ones that came to present themselves, it didn't make them perfect. Why? It said it could not. So Jesus, though, the Bible says he did this once and for all. And this is a ministry he never has to repeat. You know, there's places like the Philippines, other countries where people still get on the cross. Well, I hate to tell them, but I mean, someone needs to tell them that, you know, Jesus already did that 2,000 years ago. You're not going to get on the, a cross and punish yourself to receive redemption. And the Bible says that his blood is the guarantee of my redemption. So that's why he said to Mary, don't touch me. And right afterwards, he told disciples, okay, now you can touch me. <laughs> so afterwards, when Jesus ascended to heaven, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father, he began another ministry, an ongoing high priestly ministry as an advocate, a mediator, intercessor, and shepherd. So we're just getting into the, the beginning of this. But Jesus has a high priestly ministry today. You know, when we read the book of Romans, and we, we're not going to go there now, but in Romans chapter 5, verse 11, we see the word atonement. But actually, it should be the word redemption or remission. Why? Because in the New Testament, we don't just receive atonement. Why? You know, I just didn't, you know, at the beginning of the year, I didn't receive this and it's covering my head and, you know, it's covering me for a little bit. But guess what? Next year, I got to do the same thing. Next year, I got to do the same thing. So the, that word we said, atonement, means to cover. But the sin nature still remained. But under the new covenant, Jesus dealt with the sin nature. That's why I'm not a forgiven sinner. I'm not just renovated like an old mattress. Why? Because I made something new. A new species that never before existed. The Bible says that Jesus dealt with the sin nature. He took that nature by the sacrifice of himself. Just skip down to verse 24 of the same chapter, chapter 9. 
For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but unto heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters into the holy place every year with blood of others. So they had to do that every single year. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Hallelujah. So notice this here. Look in that last phrase. He said, but now once in the end of the world. Now, if he he said 2,000 years ago was the end of the world, what about us now? I mean, we're in the last of the last days. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. I want you to get this because Notice he didn't say put away sins. Now what are sins? Sins are acts of transgression, rebellion. You know, that's an individual sin. But notice he said here, it says sin, which refers to man's sin nature. Jesus dealt with the sin nature. The thing that caused him to do what he did. See, what I want you to understand today is this. You are not a sinner because of what you do, but because of what you are. That's why you have to be born again. (laughs) That why? Because corruption cannot, you know, inherit the kingdom of God. What's going to happen? We're going to incorruptible, we shall put on, or corruptible shall put on incorruption. We're going to have a new body, but what you have to do is be born again. Why? Because that new nature, you have to have a new nature to enter the kingdom of God. So when he says sin, he's talking about man's sin nature. Verse 28 says this, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So Christ not only bore our sins, which are, as we said, our deeds of wrongdoing, he bore our sin, our sin nature. You know, it really wouldn't do good for him just to bear my sins if he didn't change my nature. That's what causes me to do the things that I did. That's why when people say, you know, we're just a sinner saved by grace, I can't agree with that. You're either a sinner or you're saved by grace, but you can't be both. So I still would have that old sin nature and I could not help but do wrong. But when he put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, Jesus did something with that sin nature that caused me to sin. And the Bible says he did it once and for all. And so that's why people say, well, you know, we just can't help but sin. Well, I vote that I want to go long periods of time and never sin. Amen. People See, people just make excuses for themselves. Well, you know, we all do this. No, we don't. Well, you know, you know, it's like when people stereotype people. All people are like this. No, they're not. You don't even know all people. (laughs) 
you know, I don't care if you're talking about race or you're talking about different, the way people work or whatever, you know. All people are like this. You don't even know half people. We know like one-tenth of one-tenth of, one-millionth of one percent of the people on the planet right now. But Jesus put away my sin. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.17 has always been one of my most favorite, I can say it like that, my favorite verses. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. I'm a new creature. Amen, two of you are getting it. I'm a new creature. Old things, what's he talking about when he says, old things are passed away? He's, what he's talking about, that old sin nature is gone. The want to is gone. Now, you'll still have your flesh that craves things. And, you know, that's why some people, you know, even, I mean, I can say in my own testimony, certain things left me immediately. But some things die hard. Amen. You have to make them die. Fleshly things, things of the mind. You have, it's a constant renewal of your mind. That's why you have to, the Bible says mortify. You know, mortify means kill. Mortician. Mortify, kill, put to death, subdue the deeds of the body. Paul said, I keep under my body. And bring it into subjection. Notice he didn't say, I even heard a minister one time, he's like, Lord, come and, and crucify my flesh. The Lord's not going to crucify your flesh for you. Wouldn't that be nice? You know, a lot of problems that people call devils are actually flesh. Well, you know, this person has a demon of this, a demon of that. Here a demon, there a demon, everywhere a demon, demon. You know, one, one lady, she went to a so-called deliverance meeting one time. And um, they said, okay, we're going to cast that spirit of gluttony out of you. And, uh, <laughs> and so then they said, they came back to this minister and said, you know, but ever since they cast that spirit out of me, I, I gained 58 pounds. Well, well um, did they ever talk to you about, you know, diet and things like that? And they said, no, that spirit's gone. You can just eat anything you want to. Well, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> How many know you, you, the Bible says, you have to put a knife to your throat. You have to control your body. Lord, just, just, you just take control. <clears throat> you know what that usually means? Lord, you do it for me. Lord, I, I just want you to, uh, you, you know, you, you take control. A lot of times that means, Lord, you do it for me. <laughs> So when I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit, what did he do? He did something on the inside of me. He regenerated my spirit. As we said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. So is, is Jesus still saving people today? Is he still recreating people? Are people still being made new creations? His ministry is still happening today. And so under this dispensation of grace, what we call the dispensation of the Holy Spirit, we have a better covenant. Through the new birth, Jesus took our new nature, or gave us a new nature. He took the old sin nature and gave us the life and nature of God. And so, but it came at an awful price. 
Never forget the awful price. That's why you can never take sin lightly. The Bible says that fools make a mockery of sin. Now, for instance, how many know that we've all, you know, there's been times where maybe we didn't walk 100% like we should. The Bible says if we confess our sins, and you know, it can just be a, doesn't have to be something gross, gross sin. I don't care what it is. You didn't walk in love to somebody. That can be just as bitter as anything. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So think about it like this. When you, he cleanses you from all unrighteousness, then you just, you're made what? You're made righteous once again. So that means I can pray. I can lift up my head. I don't have any guilt in my life. But it came at an awful price. That's why you can never say, well, you know, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. We'll just first John 1, 9 it. See, you don't understand the, the wonderful, the powerful and horrible price that Jesus paid. I don't just sin and say, okay, I'll just first John 1, 9 it. Why? Because that is actually presuming upon the grace of God. Amen. It's, it's a, Jesus paid too much of a price for me to have such a casual attitude. Well, you know, you know, we all sin. We can just do this and, you know, we can just, uh, we can just sin. And, you know, people say things like, well, you know, you can never just out God's grace. You can never read the Bible. Read about Ananias and Sapphira. Read about um, Hosea where it talks about leave uh, Ephraim alone. He's joined to his idols. Read about people that were turned over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Now, what if you had that in a Sunday morning service? Can you imagine at Pizza Ranch the, the conversations that would be going on? Can you believe it? They, they turned that guy over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. But you know what happened? He repented. It was the, it was the guy that was living with his mother-in-law. Having sex with his mother-in-law. Just read the Bible. And the Bible said, when I'm, he said, I'm absent with you, but my spirit's going to be joined with you. And you turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. And the Bible says that he repented and it said, you receive him back now. Back into fellowship. Think about the mercy of God. Hallelujah. That's part of his ministry today. Thank you, Lord. So that's why we talk about the awful price. That's why Jesus cried out. Remember, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? Because God turned his face from the first time from his son. The Bible says that the land was dark, even in the middle of the day. So Jesus took my place. He took my spiritual death that I could have eternal life. Jesus gave us eternal redemption. Jesus was made sin. See, I want you to understand this. Jesus didn't just identify with sin. You know, he didn't just say, I feel you. I understand. You know, I see what you're com- where you're coming from. You know, the Bible says he became sin. When you become something, you are that. 
Now, Jesus was never a sinner. So understand, Jesus never sinned. He was not a sinner. But because of that, the Bible says he took on his spirit, spiritual death. He became sin, 2 Corinthians 5.21, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. And so he was under condemnation because we were. He became our substitute and took our place, but met the demands of justice and liberated us. You know, the Bible says over in Psalm 2-7, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. See, some people think when Jesus was born as the baby in Bethlehem, that that's what he's talking about. But, you know, Jesus was born a long time before then. In fact, when you read the gospel accounts, you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it starts at the manger. Well, Mark starts at the ministry of Jesus. But John starts a long time before that. In the beginning. That's a long time before Bethlehem. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The same was in the beginning with God. Without Him was not anything made that was made. Verse 14 says, and He took on flesh. He became flesh, the glory of God with us. And so, what's He talking about here? He says, you are my son, this day have I begotten thee. Look over in Acts 13 real quickly. Can you say amen or oh me or? See, this is the heart of the gospel. Jesus took my place. Acts 13, I want to look in verse 28. Now this is Paul and he's, he's recounting the life of Jesus, he says, and though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. But God raised him from the dead. And he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are witnesses to, unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again. As it is also written in the second Psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. So when you understand this, Jesus, the Bible says, is the firstborn among many brethren. So if there's a firstborn, what is there? A second, a third, fourth, all the way to us. Jesus actually was the first person to be born again. I know we don't usually think of it like that, but Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. See, until then, no one could be born again. In the old covenant, their sins were forgiven, but they were never made new creations in Christ. So if you do miss it afterwards, what happens? You confess your sins, but that's not being born again. If that were true, then some people would have been born again a million times. No, you don't get reborn again. You know, some people have worn their rededicators out. Lord, I rededicate my life. I rededicate my life. No, you are, you're, you're born again once, but then the believer, he receives forgiveness. Thank God for that word forgiveness. As I said, we don't presume upon the mercy of God, but thank God. 
Who's ever had to call upon the Lord? Lord, forgive me. God, I was stupid. I mean, sometimes that's the best prayers. God, I was dumb. Lord, I was help. Forgive me. Wash me. Have mercy on me. And when you do, he will. Hallelujah. I know for sure because he's done that with me. Hallelujah. You know, when you read the Old Testament, we see this often. We see the genealogies. And you'll see pages and pages. This one begat that one. That one. You know, and that was very important to the Jewish people. But, you know, I've never really never looked into, um, for whatever reason, we never really looked in our family tree. But, you know, suffice it to say, I don't need to. You know, I don't care what, what family, like one person said, if you look close enough, every, everyone's, you know, has fruits and flakes. Amen. You know, you, especially you go back into like Louisiana and stuff. No, no offense if you're from Louisiana, but <laughs> so, so you, some of them, they, they look back and some of their relatives were alligators and things. So I don't just go by my family tree. That's what I'm saying. Here's what my family tree is. First John 4, 4. You are of God, little children. Say, I'm of God. I'm of God. He says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Now, what's he talking about? Those first three verses of 1 John 4, he's talking about the evil spirits in the world. He says, you have overcome them because greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. Now, who's he talking about this greater within you? He's talking about the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit on the inside, he's greater then who's the one that's in the world? That's the devil. Everyone say big God, little devil. Amen. The devil is little. And you know, the Bible says, whatever you magnify, and this is just a, a, a simple truth, but whatever you magnify in life is going to get bigger. Many people magnify the problems. You know, like when we have um, revival meetings, to a lot of people, they think what they do is really important. And thank God for doctors and, and um, you know, different professions. You know, a lot of us wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a doctor. Maybe, you know, because of maybe you had an accident, you had an injury, and you had something that needed to be fixed pronto. But, you know, a lot of people think that what they do is important. But, you know, hey, church, you know, <laughs> you know, if, if you want to pray, that's good, you know, whatever. That's what people think. They don't see the value of it. They don't see the importance of it. Oh, that church is having a revival. You know, that's just, yeah, that's just good. You know, maybe we'll just make one meeting. Or People don't see the value of it. People don't see the importance and how desperately they need it. One brave amen. <laughs> say it one more time. I'm born of God. Jesus took my place. He paid the price. Jesus, the Bible says, is the first begotten from the dead. So I want you to understand this morning that Jesus, he's not bored. 
Jesus is not, you know, a lot of people think that Jesus is like they are. You know, just not, not much going on and just bored and, you know, just, you know, whatever. But Jesus, the Bible says that he was anointed with the oil of joy above all his other fellows. Jesus is not depressed. You know, people think that Jesus was just, he, he was some guy that came out of Woodstock. And, you know, he just, he came on the scene and, you know, hello, brother, hello, brother. And he spoke in Elizabeth in English. He had a lamb under his arm. And he just, wherefore, my brother? And he always talked to this one kid named Verily. Verily, verily, I say unto you, um, no, <laughs> Jesus is the most happening person. And the Bible says that he's able to keep me from falling. That's part of his ministry today. Jesus is a high priest. I have a great high priest today. How about you? And so when, if, I, if I miss it, I, I want to never miss it. But, it. but if something happens, I run to him. I don't run from him. I run to God. I don't run away from him. If you ever miss it, run to him. Say, God, forgive me. Have mercy on me. Then you receive your forgiveness. And then you don't wallow around in, in the fact that you missed it. Because see, that's what, the, you know, that's what the enemy wants you to do. Is, is get you in, into where you, you miss it. Then he wants you to stay in condemnation. But you know, it's a sin to stay in condemnation. Well, you know, I just feel so bad for my sin. A lot of that's just pride. You know, I'm just, you know... What Jesus did is, yeah, that's important. But my feelings right now are more important than what Jesus did. And my feelings of condemnation are more important. They're more real to me. You, you see what people do. But no, I don't care how bad you feel. You just say, Lord, I just thank you for your blood today. I thank you, Lord, that I'm washed. I'm cleansed. I'm righteous. I'm holy by the blood of Christ. Lord, today I can lift up my head. I can pray. I can minister to other people as though I never made a mistake. Amen. That's something that's real to me, brother. Hallelujah. The blood of Christ. Once and for all, he entered once in the holy place. And what's he doing? Just like he did with, remember Peter, when Jesus appeared, or when they were in the, actually still before he was ever ascended, he said, Satan hath desired to sift you, as you know, to shake him. He said, but I prayed for you. I believe that Jesus' prayers get answered. I prayed for you. He said, when you're converted, when you're strengthened, go and help your brothers. And so that's what Jesus is doing. So I like to think of it like this. As my faithful high priest, he's able to keep me. So right now, Standing here, I have help from heaven. I have help on the earth. If I don't make it, it's just because I got lazy and I quit. But God, he gives me help on the inside. He gives me help there. Amen. And I'm not going to quit. Amen. I'm, I'm just going to keep pressing in. I'm going to keep going on. And I'm going to be like Paul. Paul said that I've run my race. I finished my course. Now there's laid up for me a crown. There's laid up something for me that, that he, he has for me, and not for me only, but also those that love his appearing.
Amen. A lot of people that don't believe in the rapture, I'm going on the first load. Amen. Well, who's going to pastor the church? That ain't my business. There will not be anybody in this church by the grace of God. Amen. Every person will be there on that day. Amen. And so that's why if sometimes we have to kick your blessed assurance, we're going to do it. Amen. To, to keep you in line. <laughs> Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. Well, stand up this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I will admit, I mean, there's not too many messages that I've heard through the years talking about our high priest, but we're going to talk about we might pack all the other three in next week, but our shepherd. How many know we have a shepherd today? Does Jesus still watch over us? Does he still care about the sheep? Amen. That's why he, he gives people pastors. That's why he gives people a, a group in a body that they can have safe pasture in a safe haven. Amen. To come in from the elements of the world, to come in, and what's awesome about it? You know, there's a lots of enemies out there. There's sickness and disease enemies. There's lack enemies. There's persecution enemies. When you come in, you come in into the church, you you just sit at the table. That's what we want you to do is just come in. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down. And green pasture, you know why that little sheep, or if you even see cows, you know why they're lying down? Because their belly is full. Because they've had ample things to eat. And, you know, you just watch it like a bull, and they just move their mouth. That's the only thing you know if they're living. They, they just see, you see their face moving. And what's going to happen is you come in here, goodness and mercy are going to follow you, but the Bible says that, that my cup He's going to fill my cup to overflowing. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So that's what the, the church is. And what's going to happen is you're going to come in and even in the presence of your enemies, even in the presence of your enemies, you're going to have no lack. Hallelujah. 